You're listening to the Biblical Manhood and Womanhood series taught by Pastor Rick Dressler at Maple City Baptist Church in Chatham, Ontario. For more information about Maple City, please visit us online at maplecitybaptistchurch.com. We're going to talk about a different topic that is appropriate for every one of us, and it's a topic of biblical manlyhood and womanhood, what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman, biblically. Now, listen, I have to say to you, with this topic, it is broad. And, and I, I have to be honest, I have struggled on, on how to narrow this down in such a way that it makes sense, that we don't get lost. And so I'm hoping that I've at least started with this morning. So this morning will be an introduction, and we'll talk about a lot of things. Let me give you a quote this morning by George Orwell, of all people. Here's what George Orwell said, and was somewhat of a prophet. He said this, the further society drifts from the truth, the more it will hate those who speak it. Does that sound about right today? The more society, the more that culture drifts from the truth, what happens is they start to hate people who speak truth. Now, as believers, uh, we find ourselves in perilous times, and that is the truth. Because there is truth, and it's only through truth that we are set free. And we find ourselves in a day and age where there's lots of confusion about the truth, and the truth in this area. And so my goal is this, to speak truth about biblical manhood and biblical womanhood, to show the glory of what it means to be a man, and the glory of what it means to be a woman, and how God has designed that for us, And how it's beautiful. How we need not minimize or exalt one or the other, but rejoice in that. As we move along, what I hope to do is to show how that biblical manhood and womanhood, how it relates in the church and how it relates in our homes. And so I hope that will be helpful. So let's begin by by asking a couple questions this morning. If I were to ask you this morning, what does it mean to be a man? right? Or what does it mean to be a woman? What would you say to that? I don't want you, you don't have to answer that, but what would you say? Some of you I don't want you to answer, all right? <laughs> Travis. Um, <laughs> and, and maybe we have some ideas. And, and I think in the past we've, we've sort of given these categories that, well, a man is someone who hunts and kills and, and, and is sports crazy, and that's a man. Or a woman is someone who just stays at the home, and she's baking cookies all day long, and that's what a woman is. And we have these categories sometimes in our heads that this is what manhood and womanhood is all about. And you have to think those things through. But then if I were to ask you, what does it mean to be a man and not a woman? Or a woman and not a man? What does that mean to us? And does it even matter? And my argument this morning is that it does matter. It really does matter. It is significant what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman in our world today, in all of creation. It matters. We've got to be careful this morning. We we hear lies and can I tell you something? We hear lies all the time. We tell ourselves lies all the time. The problem with a lie is if you tell it long enough and loud enough, people believe it. And we're in a culture that we're being lied to all the time. Now, I'm older, but when I was a kid, there was no such thing as 
no-fault divorce. There was no such thing as it, right? Do you know why? Because it doesn't exist. No-fault divorce, and we use it all the time now, and what we mean by that is it's no one's fault. Here's the truth. It's someone's fault. It has to be. And sometimes it's not the one spouse is innocent. They're trying to make a marriage work. They want it to work. They're doing their best. But one doesn't want it. We live in a fallen world, a broken world. And so the truth is, we have said that so much and so long that now people actually believe that there is such a thing as no-fault divorce. And the truth is, it's not true. It's just not. We have given it that title so that we can dissolve marriage and feel good about it and make it easy for everyone. Now, now hear what I'm saying. I'm not condemning those who've gone through divorce. We understand the brokenness of this world. But what I am saying is we've been given this lie over and over again that we start to believe that there's no fault in this. And there is. Someone has walked away from a covenant, and it's problematic, right? So be careful. Here's another lie that we hear quite often today. And this, again, I'm dating myself, but when I was a kid, we didn't hear the term safe sex. We didn't hear that term. We hear it all the time now. And, when, and we, we've heard it so much and so often that we have a generation of people who actually believe that you can have a sexual relationship with another man, another woman, or whatever, and it's completely safe. Can I tell you something? Just because you wear a device does not make it safe. We believe now that you can have a relationship outside of a covenant. And again, it's dangerous. You know what a covenant says? A covenant says, I love you. And only you. And you're safe with me. And we can trust one another. We can be intimate with one another. There is no one else. And when we believe that there's such a thing as safe sex, and there will never be any uh, repercussion from that, that emotionally, spiritually, physically, we're completely safe, it's a lie. It's just a flat-out lie. And, and, and I'm telling you, we have been conditioned in our society to believe these things. And it's not good. It's not good. Um, here's another lie. And this is one we'll talk about a little bit today. That gender is fluid. It's fluid. Gender is fluid. Or our sex is on a spectrum. Okay? And it's a dangerous, dangerous lie. Um, when the sexual revolution started, the second wave of feminism made this statement. And here's what they said. One is not born a woman. One becomes a woman. And that may sound like, oh, I know what they're saying. You mature into womanhood. That's not what they're saying. They're saying that the gender that you were born with does not matter. You can decide if you want to be a woman. You can decide if you want to be a man. Listen to me and understand what I'm saying. Because I know in our culture, and our society, this comes across as, well, you're hateful and you're bigoted or you're whatever. But we've got to deal in truth. We must deal in truth. Our gender is not fluid. How many of you folks, you know Bill Nye the Science Guy? You know of him, all right? Had a show years ago, Bill Nye the Science Guy. He's been on um, television lately. He has his own show now. Uh, he did a debate with Ken Ham a couple times now. 
Um, and Bill Nye has just released, not too long ago, um, on his new show on Netflix, uh, this piece about gender being fluid. And on this piece that he does on Netflix, I, I don't think I would encourage you to see it because it's so, maybe you should. It is bizarre. It's bizarre. He tells us that science now has proven that our sexuality is on this spectrum, that it's fluid, and it's crazy, it's wonderful, and this is what science proves now. And then he has a woman come on who does a rap. She's a terrible rapper. She shouldn't even be rapping because the rap is terrible. Um, I don't know how much talent she has, but she raps. It is so vile and so disgusting, but Nye says, this is science, and this is where we're at today, and this is exact. he says... This is what we need today. Now listen to me. I am not a scientist, believe it or not. Nor is Bill Nye. Bill Nye is an engineer who really likes science. Bill Nye in 1990s or somewhere in there had a show on about gender. And here's what he taught us, and this is science. These are chromosomes, right? X, 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 Y. If you can see that, okay. Do you know what XX means? It means you're a female. It's your chromosomes, right? You're a female. XY means you're a male. So here's how this works. Are you ready for a little science? Okay, here's how this works. Your parents, before you were born, your mother always gives you an X chromosome. Always. Thank you, ladies. We always have that chromosome. Okay? Your father will give you one or one or the other. So he'll give you an X or a Y. If your father, when you're conceived, gives you an X chromosome, do you know what you are? You're a girl. That's science. If he gives you a Y chromosome, do you know what you are? Very good. That, that, that's it. And Bill Nye said, this is science. It's science. We can't reconfigure this. It's impossible. And your sex, male or female, it's important. It's significant. We don't reconfigure these chromosomes. It, it can't be done. And Bill and I was saying this in the 1990s. Okay. Can I ask you something? How much has science changed now that this has changed? Because science hasn't changed. You can go, are you a Bible thumper? No, I am a Bible thumper, whatever that means. I thump on my Bible. I don't know what that means. Thump, I, I hear that. You're a Bible thumper. I, okay, whatever that is. I, I am that. Fine. But this is science. And your sex matters. As a man or as a woman. And we've got to be careful. When we're telling people that they can, they can just arbitrarily choose what they want to be, we're not living reality. You say, that sounds really mean and unkind. And can I tell you something? My goal in all this is not to be mean or unkind, it's to tell you truth. <clears throat> tell you truth. Can I tell you what is mean and unkind? What is unkind is to allow people to live in a fantasy that doesn't exist. Okay? Um, you say, and we have, we have lots of issues in the world today. And this is why this is such a big, it's so crazy, it's mind-blowing. We talk about thousands of things even this morning. But when we have a five-year-old boy who behaves like a girl and his parents take him and they perform a sex change operation on a five- or six-year-old who believes he's a girl, we are in real trouble. Can I tell you something about raising kids? My kids, as they were raised, 
while they were growing up, believed they were a lot of things. A puppy. I'm serious. A puppy. Um, they believed that they were Batman, right? One believed he was invisible. And he believed for a long time. He really believed he was invisible. And we played along with it until he was tired of being invisible, but we kept on playing along with it. He's like, no, I won't tell you which one it was. But, but when Greg was saying, no, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm right here. I'm, and we would just ignore him, like, did you hear something? And he started, right? right? He really believed he was invisible. He wasn't invisible. He wasn't a puppy. He wasn't a dog or a cat or a superhero. This is all Greg. It's all, yes. <laughs> Why not? He's not here. David's here, so David's normal. Greg is. Um, he's none of those things. Right? And listen, this is a funny story. I had a teacher when I was growing up, Mr. Cook, and when he was a kid, his parents, I don't know why they did this, but they, they must have had a sense of humor or they're demented, but they told him that dogs say meow and cats bark. They told him that while he was growing up. He goes out to school, and when they asked him what a cat does, he would go, arf, 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 right? And what a dog does, it, it meows, right? And he really believed that. I don't know why he, his parents did that. They were sick and cruel, but, but, he, but that's not true. It's just not true. And so I'm not trying to be unkind, but we've got to look at the facts. The facts. I'm amazed that we never talk about the facts anymore. As if we're afraid to talk about them. There was a study that was done in London with, with children who had same-sex attraction. Okay? And, and we know that... The, can I tell you something about children? Um, it's natural for a little boy to be comfortable with another boy or a man. Because that's who he is. Right? It's natural for a little girl to feel comfortable with other girls because that's who she is. But they had these kids who, who, who said, we have a same-sex attraction. They did a study, and, and after, without any therapy, without any medication, 70 to 80% of them grew out of that. Just grew out of it. Do you know that when they do the gender reassignments, right, they change someone's sex physically, they are 20 times higher for suicide. Now listen to me. You can celebrate Bruce Jenner, and they celebrated him, but the truth is someone should be warning people this is not good. If this was any other group in our country, there would be a national campaign. It's happened. This group of people, 20%, 20 times more likely to commit suicide. We'd be all over that. But now, because it's politically incorrect to talk about that, we don't. It's a shame. And so we've got to be honest about things, folks. The Bible is very clear. The sex that you were born with is significant. It is. And I would say this, it is glorious. It is glorious. And let's be honest, the truth is not a good, the, the church has not done a good job with this truth. The church has not. The church has made it look like men should dominate and women are doormats. And that is completely against Scripture. Completely. And we've grown up in churches like that. And it's wrong. And instead of celebrating the beauty of manhood and womanhood, we have, we have blurred the lines there. And we've gone to extremes. And they're bad. They're evil. They're wrong. And they don't give us a good picture of the creator of heaven. It's problematic. And so 
it's a fire hose, right? It's, but it's our world today. And we got to know what it means to be a man, to be a woman. So let's start to look at Scripture. Any questions, comments about that? And I don't want to just go, man, roughshod over everybody and just start. Any questions, comments on what was just said? Eric? I think it's the danger of philosophy as well. Absolutely. Slash opinion. Mm-hmm. As opposed to facts or a clear understanding of what the Bible says. Right. Your opinion and philosophy does not trump Scripture. It doesn't trump truth or Scripture, which is the same. Absolutely. And Eric, you're right. Ideas have consequences. They do. And I'll tell you, the greatest truth in our society right now, here's the greatest litmus of truth. How do you feel? How do you feel? If this feels right to you, it doesn't matter what anybody says, it's right. If it feels wrong, then it's wrong. If you're comfortable, then it's right. And this is problematic, and that's why we have to deal. And we have to be careful with our own philosophies and our own thoughts that we believe that are not true, and it can harm us. Good. Anything else on that? Steve? Where does this word uh, gender, gender neutral come into play? Well, that's, well, that's just it. That's, that's another, you know, we want to say, well, gender is a social construct or it's fluid, and these are terms people use to get their point across that have no bearing in truth. Right, gender neutral. Now, listen. The truth is, there are people who struggle in these areas, and we're not we're not we're not saying that doesn't happen. But when we use these terms over and over again, we are conditioning a society and a culture to believe them, and that's dangerous. It's dangerous. There is a glory in being a man, a biblical man, and there is glory in being a woman, a biblical woman. I have to tell you, they're both beautiful, and we'll talk about that a little bit. Good, Steve. Brother Bernie, our spirit was with God before the world was created. He knew you were going to be a man or a woman before you were conceived. That's right. There's no mistakes in that. Absolutely. And there's a purpose and a plan for that. And when we embrace that and understand that and try to live in accordance with the Word of God, I want to tell you, it's the most fulfilling and beautiful thing that there is. It should be celebrated. And so that's what we're going to talk about. Dad? I think uh, we're all going to be asked eventually what's our opinion on something. And a topic like this, it'd be best to say, it doesn't matter what my opinion is, it's what the Word of God says about it. Absolutely. It's shown in Scripture. Absolutely. Because our opinions don't matter, no. right? But we need truth, and without truth we're in trouble. Brother Paul? Yeah, I, you know, I think that <clears throat> it's, it's science, uh, it's truth. Um, uh, there are people that struggle with it, you said that. And I think, I think the one thing the church has done as well has been so heavy-handed without love that they that they that uh, those people feel like they don't have a place absolutely you know and um, I think that you know in talking about it you're gonna have people when you're talking about you're gonna have somebody that's got a sister that's even just struggles with it and you want to be you don't want to be no you want to be loving absolutely and handle the truth exactly Paul, you hit it right. Part of the problem that we're facing as a church today is because this is exactly what we've done. You know what? Okay, let me just tell you this. And again, I'm I'm dating myself. But when I was a kid, do you know the greatest sin in the church that was frowned upon when I was a child? Do you know what it was? It was divorce. Mm -hmm. And and, and listen to me. I, I get this. When I was a kid, I grew up in a church where in my class, Sunday school class, I was the only kid who came from a broken home. The only one. This is 1970, 1980. Okay? And the church, what the church did was, 
The church acted as if divorced people were second-class citizens. And there was a stigma that went out on that. And so here are people who are broken, who are struggling, uh, who, who did not want this, and now they can't serve, they can't sing, they can't do this because they're divorced. How wicked is that? And we've done it with people who struggle. Like, oh my goodness, this is the grossest sin imaginable. Can I tell you something? I think we're going to be surprised when we get to heaven and we think about gross sin. I think your pride and my pride might be on the top of the list there. And I'm not, I'm not being facetious on that. I'm telling you the truth. We have a sense of categorizing things that make us feel better about ourselves. And God despises these hard attitudes within us. And Paul, you're right. I think our biggest struggle is, in our, in our culture, in our community today, is this idea of how does the church respond to this? Right? Because you have to speak the truth in love. And we're going to get to that because I think you, you bring up a good point, Paul, when we talk about the image that we're created in. Right? We'll talk about that in a minute, but that's exactly right. And that's why we're in trouble today because we've taken groups of people and we've sort of just, well, that's, that's wicked. We, you know, whatever. And the church has not treated them in the way that the church should treat them. And that's the truth. And we've got to be careful. We all better check ourselves. You know, Christ talks about loving your enemy. Our circle of love is so small. I'm talking to Christian people. That here's who you love. You love people just like you. Right? That's great. I think Jesus said something about that once or twice. It's, my, it's our comfort zone. It's our comfort zone. You know what Christ tells you to do? Take this circle and explode it. And that's really hard. But I have to tell you something. We will never win this world for Christ until we be a people of truth and love, right? Because the truth sets us free, and by love they know we belong to him. And, okay, and so, you're right, Paul. And when I talk about this issue, we have family members who are in this boat. Came as a cousin who's married to another man. We love him. We pray for him. We talk with him, right? And so this is not to be like, I, I want us to understand, we need truth. But Paul, you're right. If this love isn't there, We've blown it, man. And so what? So you won an argument, and what? A soul was lost. It's just not, it's a terrible thing. Kim? I don't know, dismissive and yes. just kind of lump it all together and act like, no, right. we're not. And so not loving. Absolutely. Humanity, beloved. Right. Or here's our relationship building. Here's a gospel track. You're going to die and go to hell, and then we walk away from them. <laughs> right. Great relationship builder there. I mean, I would love to be your best friend. Right. And certainly there's a time to tell truth, but we don't even care enough about people to know who they are. And it's a dangerous thing. It's, it's just not good. Paul? Yeah, or we're scared that having these, you know, these different things come at us, just going to break us right down and we're going to fall on, you know, right. fall apart. And, right. You know, church will fall apart. And, but, but, you know, God keeps us. Absolutely. And this is an amazing thing. You think about our Savior. I'm telling you, if Jesus was walking on the planet today, the places that he would go to and the people he'd talk to, some of us would disassociate with him. And that's a problem. Right? Because he's known as a friend of publicans and sinners. Republicans, publicans, and sinners. He, he's known for all of that, right? 
And so we got to be careful. And that's a great point. And, and we're going to talk about that because we're going we're to come up to that. Any other comments on this? Yes, sir. I think in, with homosexuality, I've, I've, I've known homosexuals, and, and uh, I've never had one come up to me and say, Greg, I want to change. Mm-hmm. And I think that's discouraging. You know, we have people that are alcoholics, and they, they, wanna plan, they don't want to be an alcoholic anymore. But I think the, the uh, percentage that want to change isn't there as far as other sins. You know, if I'm a liar, I don't want to lie anymore. If I steal, I don't want to steal. I think it, it's turned into such a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And they're so cemented in that that it's hard for us to. We can befriend them, but uh, it seems like they're they're not willing to repent as in other sins for some. Right. Well, the truth is, they do identify with their sexuality, right? But I have to tell you something. I, I think that we got to be careful, even because if if that's been our experience, that's not everybody. Because I know liars and drunks who don't want to repent either, right? And it's a work of God that has to be done. And so I just think that we have to make sure that we are willing and open and loving enough to tell truth. And I think for some people, they've heard this lie long enough that they think that this is who they are. Their sexuality is who they are. And it's a strange thing when you think about it. Most people don't go up and, and identify like, hey, I just want you to know I'm Rick and I'm a heterosexual. I, I would never have the conversation. I, I just wouldn't do it. But this is an identity. And, and so, but the truth is, this is the power of God, the gospel. I'm, I'm reading a biography by Spurgeon. And Dan got it to, for me as a gift. It's like 800 pages. Thank you, Dan. I'm a quarter of the way through it. But when Spurgeon was 17, right, he started pastoring a church at 19. He had the, what later became the Metropolitan Church. And, and they were starting to write about him. And Spurgeon, well, it's a lot about Spurgeon. Anyways, but so there was an article that talked about how great it was that doctors and lawyers and they were showing up at his church. And Spurgeon said, yeah, that's great. I'll tell you something greater. Harlots and liars and thieves are being transformed by the power of the gospel. That's the church of Jesus Christ. And so our, our, job, is not, our job is to be loving and tell truth. And, and, and we should have ministries to people who are caught in sin. Because sin is destructive. And we should love people enough to want them to know truth. Carolyn. We're all born in the flesh. We're controlled by the flesh, the flesh sins. But it's the power of God that makes Amen. It has to be the power of God. Amen. Here's the deal. We talked about this this morning. This is a great segue to where we're going in Sunday school. Or what's next? Preaching is next. Okay, that's where we're going. Um, okay. Where am I? I'm not on a boat. Okay. That's a, if you and I can change by the power of God, and, and we listen, you wouldn't have liked me as a teenager. I promise you. You would have not liked me as a teenager. And you probably wouldn't have liked me in my 20s either. Believe it or not, I could be a punk, believe it or not. Right? <laughs> I'm telling you. But by the grace of God, I, am, I know you don't like me now. Okay, that's funny. <laughs> I, I know. It's like, that's fine. And I don't like them, so it's okay. It works out fine. Uh, <laughs> you people are jerks. But, but the truth is, um, if I can change... And you can change by the power of God, then anyone can change. And if we can't, then nobody can. This was Paul's whole argument. The chief of sinners. You know why he says that? Because he's telling everyone that if God can save me, he can save anyone. And we have to have this attitude, right? And so this is not a smack on people who are troubled with their gender and understanding these things. This is just an idea that the church has to recognize what truth is 
and embrace it and live it out in such a way that it looks beautiful. And I think that's been our fault. I think we've taken the idea of what a man means, what a woman means, what it means to lead a home, to love a wife. I think we've destroyed that. And we're paying for it. And what has to be fixed is, first, the church. Me, you, our children. So this is important. It's really important. So let's see what the scripture says. I think we're going to talk a little bit about what was said already and just sort of galvanize that. So would someone read for me this morning uh, Genesis chapter 1 and verse, whatever's on your paper there, verses 26 through something? What do we have on there? Someone want to read that? Eric, go ahead, brother. Thank you. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his image, in his own image, in the image of God created he him, male and female, created he them. All right. God made them male and female, and so we're going to argue that what God made us by nature is significant in determining what we do with our life and how we relate to men and women. It's important. And now I want to, I have a little segment there because I think it's important that mature biblical manhood and womanhood is not dependent upon being married. Okay? And here's another crime of the church since we're talking about the church. We have had a tendency to treat singles as second-class citizens. And it's wrong. We have this idea that, okay, it's phase one, single. Phase two, married. I just, listen to me. Some of the greatest servants of our Lord and Savior have been single men and women who have changed the world for the cause of Christ. And, and, and so when we talk about manhood or womanhood, we're not talking, because you got married now, now you understand what biblical manhood or womanhood is. That's not. That doesn't make you a man or a woman biblically. That's not what this is about. Matter of fact, just some thoughts about brothers and sisters in Christ who are single. The church has been guilty of treating them as second-class citizens. You said that as if we're incomplete if we're not married. But consider this. The most fully human individual who ever lived was never married. Yes, ma'am. You know, I want to say I had a cousin in Edmonton, and he got married at 39. As soon as he was married, shortly after, they asked him to be a deacon. Never before. Yeah, see, and that, yeah, right. That's right, Hesse. And that's what we're talking about. The church has had this stigma of, of, well, you're not complete because you're single. And that's dangerous. It's ungodly. It's not true. Here is Jesus Christ, the most completely complete human being who ever lived, never married. Never. And we have to remember that. There's another guy, I think, that wasn't married who probably did something good with missions. Hmm. Paul? Oh, yeah, that's his name. Paul. Right? Joanne? That's what I was going to say. Yeah. So we've got to be careful how we think things. Dan? I think practically, there's no person that's ever tried to be involved in serving the Lord that hasn't felt that um, pull between serving the Lord and taking care of the family. I think every single pastor, I've felt that, every missionary is always Absolutely. Um, even I think people in the church feel that sometimes. I've heard conversations, I've had conversations with other guys who are like, I want to do this service, but my wife is not sure. She thinks I'm way too much, so what do I do? Right. And that just tells you like how much what Paul said when he said, this is the blessing of singleness, that you're not tied down. To Amen. It. There is a blessing there.
Dan, let's go there because that's that's one of the points on here. Would you? No, good job. He didn't have a paper, so you're really tracking well with me. Thank you. First Corinthians seven. Read verse seven, and then about thirty-two through thirty-five, I think. And and this is exactly right. Um, and this is important for our single folks. Um, and I've had the privilege of talking to a lot of our single men and women, and I'm amazed often at their spiritual maturity, their love for Christ, and their ministry. And this is what Paul says. Good. For I would that all men were even as myself. But every man hath his proper gift of God, one after this manner and another after that. What? Uh, 32 through 35, I think, is where we want to be. But I would Thank you. have you without carefulness. He that is unmarried careth for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he that is married careth for the things that are of the world, how he may please his wife. There is difference also between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman careth for the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she that is married careth for the things of the world, how she may please her husband. Right. The Bible celebrates singleness because it gives us opportunity for service. And there are no distractions then. It's a beautiful thing. And so we need to understand that. So when we're talking about biblical manhood and womanhood, we're not saying, well, if you're not married, you can't make it. That's not it at all. Because there is a pull for families and kids, and there's a great freedom and liberty for singles who can dedicate themselves to serve the Lord without distraction. And it's beautiful. And so just that's a little side note there as we talk. That's why I wanted our single people to be here. We have single men and women who do an awesome job for the cause of Christ. I talk to, to people all the time. They talk about how Jesus Christ is my husband. And they've learned to trust him and to grow. And, and it's, a, it's a blessing for the entire church. So understand that when we go through this, God does know what we need, right? Some of you men would die. I mean, you'd starve to death without a, a woman in your life, right? You would... You'd have dirty clothes, you'd starve, you'd be terrible, all right? Um, but God knows what you need. He knows what you're capable of. And so you have trust. And the last thing on the single thing is this, and just a thought. Uh, so would someone want to read uh, Mark chapter 12, verses 24 and 25, all right? Mark 12. Thinking about this idea of, of womanhood and manhood and married and single. Someone there already? Someone raise your hand? I don't know if I saw someone raising their hand, just poking their hand up or touching their face. Ron, thank you, brother. Now, listen, before you start on verses 24 and 25, yeah, this verse is a delight for some people and a sad verse for others. So keep that in mind, okay? Go ahead, Ron. And Jesus answering said unto them, If ye not therefore err, because ye know not the Scriptures, Neither the power of God. For when they shall rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels which are in heaven. All right. Some people have bad marriages. Love that verse. <laughs> they they love the verse. It's like, whoo, I'm going to be free. Right? right? That, that's not, that wasn't the point he was making. All right. And other people hate that verse. My wife and I have talked about this verse. It's like, I'm going to sneak up and see you in heaven because I don't want to be right, separated from you. Right? I think I love Kim the wrong way. I really do. I think it's bad. Um, but marriage is not the final destiny for anyone. So, so singles, take heart in that. And married people, take comfort in that. I, I don't know. So I don't, whatever. Okay. So just a sidebar there. So God has made them male and female. It's significant. We consider those things. Now, quickly, because I want to I hit this. And I, don't, I, I want to try to be out here at Quarter Till because just to get ready for the next service. So, where am I at? I don't even have notes like you guys have. Brendan, give me this paper. 
Okay. Okay, so male and female made in his image. Uh, okay, this is the point. I don't know why I don't have this, but the person we interact with, okay, male and female are made in the image of God. I'm, I'm blowing this now. Okay, Genesis 1.27, we read that. Equal in value and dignity to be God-like, right, in his image is to represent God. There is no other creature created, not even angels, that have that privilege. We must start here, right? Now here's what I want to talk about because Paul mentioned this. When we talk, the person that we speak to is a creature of God who is more like God than anything else in the universe. Male, female, both in his image. Both image bearers. Both, they're equal, equal equal value, equal worth, male and female. And this is the image that we have to start with and understand that this is what God is talking about. We are equal in value and dignity and Because of that image bearer, the person that I talk to, anyone, male, female, black, white, gay, straight, is the closest image in the universe of the God of heaven. And that's why, no matter who they are or where they're at, I talk to them and I love them and understand that they're a person of dignity and value. Why? Because they're created in the image of God. Male, female, it doesn't matter. We need to keep that in mind. Nowhere does the Bible say men are more in God's image than women. And this is where the church has been in trouble. Wherever there's male dominance and superiority, selfish dictatorships, uh, wherever women are treated as inferior or abused or there's violence, the biblical truth of equality is being denied. And you got to get that straight. That is not, God said, I made them Male and female in my image. They are image bearers, male and female. And men are not superior in this area, nor are women. We are created in the image of God. We must listen, value, honor one another. The Bible starts here with our equality. Okay, But it doesn't stop there. And this is what I want to leave you with. We'll pick up next week. I'll give you a definition. I think sometimes, and we've done a good job, a really good job, at, at reiterating the value that we have in the image of God. Pastor Dan did a series, a long series, about what it meant to be created in God's image, that we're of equal value, equal worth. And sometimes we talk about that so much that we minimize the differences because there are differences. And the differences are beautiful. They're absolutely beautiful. Here's a flash for you. Men and women, although equal in value, worth, dignity are different. I know, I know. It is the most basic human reality. You don't have to tell a four-year-old boy or a five-year-old boy when he goes to kindergarten for the first time that boys and girls are different. They get it. Matter of fact, they run from them. They're terrified of them. What is this creature? My kids did that until they were in their teens. They went to Harvester's Baptist Church, and they were, I don't know how they were, but some of the girls liked them, and we go to pick them up, and the kids, my boys were running outside of the church being chased by those bad women, all right? But they're different. They are different. And we must understand that we shouldn't minimize the unique significance of maleness and femaleness, all right? It's different, and the difference is beautiful. And so I'm going to stop with that because I, I want to talk to you about we know this intuitively, but our culture knows this. How many folks you have ever read the book, Men Are From Mars, Women From Venus? Have you read that book? Anybody read that book? Okay. 
it's a funny book. It, 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 it hits it right in the head. We'll talk about that next week a little bit. But let me give you this definition that, to show you where we're going on, on um, biblical manhood and womanhood. Here's the definition we'll talk about next week. We'll, we'll, we'll pick up where we left off today about being different. And this is from Piper and Grudem. They've done a great work on this. Here are two working definitions that we'll work through for the next couple weeks. And next week we'll talk about men first, Father's Day. We'll do that. Um, masculinity. At the heart of mature masculinity is a sense of benevolent responsibility to lead, provide for, and protect women in ways appropriate to a man's differing relationships. We'll break that down, talk about what that means. And femininity, at the heart of mature femininity, is a freeing disposition to affirm, receive, and nurture strength and leadership from worthy men in ways appropriate to a woman's differing relationships. And so our plan is to break that down over the next couple of weeks. So any questions or comments? I know I had to bring that to a close, but we'll pick it up next week. Anything at all? Okay, God bless you for being here.